0: Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, and it reads, The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. The word of God for the people of God. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to be here. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and our minds like never before and help us because we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. A well-known quote I, I kept coming to this week, and it says, everyone in the church isn't a follower of Christ, everyone in jail isn't a criminal, and everyone in your face isn't your friend. I think we can all relate to that. those people that have been in our faces that were not our friends. Those people that were always around but seemed to always just be gathering information to give to somebody else. I think we can relate to those people in our lives that, 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 that we thought were our friends but we found out talked bad about us behind our back and gossiped in such a way. I see I have an amen over here. I think we can, can, can look at these things and, 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 and really see those people that we always seem to be there for, but could never seem to be there for us. Everyone in your face is not your friend. I almost want to come give you a hug right now. I think we can relate to the, the fact that everyone in jail is not a criminal. I, I have a, a gentleman that I've talked to, I've had the great privilege of, uh, of of hearing him speak and being in class with him in seminary, Reverend Burton, who was incarcerated for 25 years of his life, only to be uh, let go because they realized when he said he didn't do it that he actually didn't do it. But he spent all that time in jail falsely uh, uh, being accused of something that he did not do and now in ministry He fights for those that has a similar story. I think it's easy for us to see the the physical constraints of, of a jail and say, okay, I understand everybody in those types of buildings aren't guilty, but I think we also need to look at the fact that some people are imprisoned in their minds, imprisoned in their emotions, imprisoned in a way that we don't see as they walk up and down the streets, imprisoned because of what somebody said. Imprisoned because of what somebody did. Imprisoned by the thoughts that somebody else planted through manipulation and abuse. You see, they, even though they are in jail, aren't necessarily guilty either. Now, this is the hard one. Everybody in the church isn't a follower of Christ. It is unfortunate that some people are in the church for power and some people are in the church for profit. And, and quite frankly, that very statement brings us to our scripture today. Today, we find that Jesus uh, uh, was, was headed down, excuse me, up to Jerusalem for the Passover. And when he got to the temple, he found those that were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers seated at the tables. We, we find that, that, that those, those priests in, in that particular temple had, had, had begun to do things that were unethical, those things that were not outlined by the scriptures that they profess. You see, Jesus, like all males over 20, made their way to Jerusalem for the Passover, for this feast, for this celebration, for this remembering of when they were in bondage in Egypt and God called them to put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their doorposts that the death angel might pass over their houses. It's a celebration of that night before freedom that they experienced. It was a a, a monumental Time, it was a feast, it was a celebration, it was a time to worship the Most High God. Theologians say thousands and some say millions packed into Jerusalem during this time to celebrate, to worship, and to sacrifice in the temple. But when Jesus arrived, he found these these money changers, he found these animals for sale all in the outer courts. Now, the money changers, uh, we can kind of understand their function because you had to pay your temple tax. And the temple tax, you couldn't pay with with currency from anywhere else because it had a man's head on it. And that was blasphemous in the temple. So, So you had to change your currency to a temple currency so that you could pay your temple tax. Now, the problem is, and since they knew you had to come, and since they knew you had to pay... And since they knew you had to exchange your currency, the fees for this exchange were ridiculous. These fees for these exchange were unfair. This fee for exchange was absorbing it. Now, we know that they came to worship, and part of the worship was sacrifice, and so selling of animals was not, also not uh, unusual, <laughs> Because you had to bring a sacrifice that was unblemished, and if you brought a sacrifice several hundred miles, it probably wouldn't be at its best when you got there. The problem is that that you could buy a dove outside the temple walls for a nickel, says one theologian, but inside the temple walls, it will cost you about $4. That is a big difference. Wouldn't you agree? That is a Big difference, and so the 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 people were being taken advantage of, and and the thing about it is, you could buy that nickel dove outside, but the priest had the ability to say that is not acceptable, and so it was reasonable. I use that term loosely to buy from the approved vendor within the temple walls, which meant that you still didn't have a choice because what you brought was not going to be good enough if it didn't produce profit for those in power. It was so bad that some theologians refer to to that spot in the temple during that time as the bazaar of the high priest. You see... When Jesus walked into the temple, he realized this is not about worship. This is about profit. This isn't about the the, the remembrance. This is about personal gain. This is not about the, the people of God worshiping God. This is about those in power seeking profit. And he became angry. Angry because people were being taken advantage of. Angry because the priests themselves had been corrupted. Angry because worship was affected. You see, the outer courts of the temple were also known as the courts of the Gentiles. It was where they worshipped. But how can you worship with people yelling and changing money here and people over here trying to sell you doves? How can you worship with all of these other things happening that weren't supposed to be? Jesus comes in and says, how dare you? How dare you? You see, Jesus had a heart for the people. Jesus had a heart for worship. Jesus had the proper intent of what this was supposed to be for. He, 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 he had the proper intent of what the Passover celebration and worship was supposed to look like. Jesus was angry. Now, Jesus, this isn't the only time in Scripture that Jesus is recorded being angry. There's another time where you find that he is asking, is it okay to heal a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath? And he, the Scripture says, with anger, he looks on them and says, excuse me, Uh, reach out your hand, stretch forth your hand, and he heals them. You see, Jesus was not recorded in Scripture as being angry because traffic was bad. He wasn't recorded as being angry because money was funny. He wasn't recorded as being angry because somebody said the wrong thing and hurt his feelings. But when people were not treated right, when there was injustice, when the things and the people of God was mishandled, Jesus got angry. The scripture says, and he made a scourge of cords and drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And and to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Stop making my father's house a house of trade. Stop Stop making this about what it's not supposed to be about. Stop, because it's supposed to be a house of worship. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. It's not supposed to be a house of personal profit. In Matthew, it says it this way, Stop making my father's house a den of thieves. Uh, 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 If you look at the words and how they are properly defined, a den of thieves, it refers to a place where criminals are free to operate without recourse and without consequence. Stop it! How dare you? You see, in the face of wrong, Jesus stood up. Jesus said no, and Jesus acted for change. In the season of Lent, we have, as, as the village, United Methodist Church, as a village, we have decided that we will spend this time trying to figure out how to connect more with God. In this case, in this scripture, I believe that God is showing us how to connect with him righteously, how to stand up for what is morally right, how to fight for those that feel powerless, how to be his hands and his feet. And looking on the internet earlier this week, I found a story entitled, Speak Up, It Can Change the World. In this story, there was a black woman named Sue. They never really gave me her name. We're going to call her Sue today. And she had a sister-in-law named Kathleen. Her her sister-in-law was a white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes. They, they, they grew up in similar proximity to one another. They were a loving family. They grew up together. They played together growing up. And they just happened now to be related because she is now her sister-in-law. They even raised their kids together. They went everywhere together. So this one day, they went into the grocery store. And they got all the things that they needed. And they went and got into the checkout line. And, and Kathleen was first. And she arrived at the cashier which was a, a white teen with strawberry blonde hair and freckles. I'm giving you just the details they gave me. And, and, and Kathleen comes to the register and says, well, hello, how are you? And the checker is very pleasant. And, and asks, how are you doing? And is there anything else that you could find? And, oh, it looks like this might be expiring too soon. Did you notice this date? And she is just really comp- uh, uh, carrying on a very pleasant conversation. Kathleen takes out her checkbook Tell you how old this movie, uh, how old this story is. Writes her check, tears it out of the checkbook, hands it to the cashier. The cashier hits the button, prints the receipt, puts the check in the drawer, hands the receipt to Kathleen. Kathleen goes to the edge of the aisle because she's waiting on her sister-in-law, Sue. Sue approaches the cashier and she says, hello, ma'am, how are you doing? The cashier never says a thing. The cashier is not talking at all, but but Sue, uh, being that this isn't the first time this has happened, she just stands and watches as the cashier takes the stuff over the scanner, and when it gets to the total, she writes out her check, and she hands it to the lady, and her daughter, noticing that she has been treated differently than her, her, I don't know what you call it, uh, uh, than the sister-in-law. Um, is watching her mom. And when the cashier takes the check from Sue, she says, I need two forms of ID. And the daughter looks up at her mom and says, why is she doing this? And the mom is going through all these things in her head. Should I say something because, you know, there's there's two elderly women behind me and I don't want to be the angry black woman in the store and I don't want to get kicked out, I don't want to cause a scene, I'm gonna pick my battles. Here, ma'am, here are two forms of ID. So the cashier takes the two forms of ID and opens this book that they used to keep behind the register. They call it the bad check book. And what it is, is it is a book of names of everybody that has written a bad check in that store and begins to check the names against her IDs. At this point, the daughter is crying. The mom is trying to figure out what to do, and the sister-in-law puts her grocery basket up against the wall and walks up to the cashier and says, why are you doing this? The cashier says, what do you mean? It is our policy to check this. She says, no, it's not because you didn't do that to me. Why are you putting her through all these changes? She said, well, I didn't do that to you because I know you. She said, no, you don't because I just moved back. I've been here three months. She's been here 10 years. She's been here. I just got here. Why are you doing this? The the elderly ladies behind Sue then begin to say, why is she doing this to that lady? That lady hasn't done anything to her. The manager walks up and says, is something wrong? And Kathleen says, absolutely, and begins to outline everything that just happened. It is amazing that in that single moment, Kathleen spoke up and influenced everyone in that store in a way that would have never happened without her voice. She used her voice to make all the difference, to change minds, to change perceptions, and to cause a difference that would last far beyond that day. You see, Kathleen in this story flipped over the tables. She fought for what was right. She fought for what was righteous. She fought for what was godly. You see, Jesus flipping the tables was about making the priests uncomfortable and letting them know that this would not be accepted. They didn't ask in the scripture, if you notice, why are you doing this? Because they knew they were wrong. What they asked was, what authority do you come in to do this? Because they felt like they could not be checked. Going back to my original statement, everybody in your face isn't your friend, everybody in jail isn't a criminal, and everybody in the church is not a a follower of Christ. We find Dr. King saying that you find out who your real friends are, not in times of peace, but in times of war, times of challenge, times of controversy. Consider who calls you friend. Consider who calls you friend. In troubled times, do you tap into this righteous connection with Jesus and stand or do you remain silent? When when there is racism present and you have your friend next to you, do you speak up or do you cower back? When, When they're telling that joke about that young lady that demeans her, are you laughing or are you correcting when you see a child being misrepresented, misused, and abused? Do you stand up for what is right or do you say that's not my business? Everybody in jail isn't a criminal. What I also need you to understand is who is called guilty is not always guilty. So when you see somebody wrongly accused, do you set the record straight? When you see someone misrepresented or their actions misrepresented, do you stand up and let your voice be heard when... When when you see someone being put in mental jail by manipulation and by abuse, do you expose it? Do you show resources? Do you tell authorities? Do you find a way to extend an olive branch even if they don't take it? And if everybody in the church isn't a follower of Christ, I encourage you to make sure that you are. When you act, when you speak, when you show up, ask this question, is what I am doing acceptable in God's sight? Is what I am saying and doing building the kingdom of God as he, as God has designed? Am I acting as an ambassador of Christ? Can, can they see the light of Jesus in me or is Jesus, would Jesus be flipping the tables based on what I am saying and doing? You see, in righteous connection with Jesus, as the hands and feet for Jesus, as an example of Jesus' love, are you a friend or are you a foe? Are you a liberator or one who uh, imprisons? Are you a follower of the way? Are you a follower of Christ? Are you? People of God, in righteous connection with Jesus Christ. Let's flip some proverbial tables. Let's fight for what is right. Let's fight for what is just. Together, let's fight for what is godly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.